Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for June 22. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In a call to spiritual reformation, Dr. Don Carson comments, When it comes to knowing God, we are a culture of the spiritually stunted. So much of our religion is packaged to address our felt needs. And these are most uniformly anchored in our pursuit of our own happiness and fulfillment. God simply becomes the great being who, potentially at least, meets our needs and fulfills our aspirations. We think rather little of what He is like, what He expects of us, and what He seeks in us. Three brief scenes in the public ministry of Jesus of Nazareth alert us to some surprising aspects of God's nature and His expectations of all who call themselves His people. In Luke's record, a significant turning point occurs in Jesus' ministry that we find in chapter 9 and verse 51. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, He set His face to go to Jerusalem. We feel the graphic power of Luke's words here. Jesus was not to be dissuaded from the task ahead as he transitioned in his work from the region of Galilee in the north to Jerusalem. His determination to see his mission through was evident in the flint-like set of his face. This provides the context for what follows. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In scene one, the first man's words look promising. I will follow you wherever you go, he said to Jesus. What more would a leader want? But Jesus was aware that the man was not truly committed. Have you really thought about this? He implies. Do you understand what's involved? Jesus was aware the man would have expected security and even privilege because he was offering to join the company of a celebrity. But Jesus indicates that the road ahead for his people will not be easy. Come with me and you'll have no guarantee of home comforts and security, he is saying. One of the misconceptions Jesus needed to correct was the Jewish view of the Messiah. Even his closest followers considered the Messiah to be primarily a political figure who would bring the nations under his rule. They had rightly recognized Jesus as God's Messiah, but it may be that they had taken this to another level. They would be nobles in Jesus' court. Jesus uses a powerful metaphor to shatter the man's dreams, as well as instruct his disciples. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Verses 
Jesus was born in a manger and died on a cross, and in between had no fixed home, let alone a palace, where he could lay his head. So he challenges us. How important are comfort and security, even celebrity, to you? In a second scene, a second man's request to Jesus seems reasonable. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Middle Eastern society required a son to remain at home to care for ageing parents. Clearly this man's parents were still alive, for if his father had died, to be true to his word, the man would have immediately returned home to attend to the burial. More likely, the man's parents had some years to live, but he was using their ultimate demise as an excuse. And so Jesus challenged him, Let the dead bury the dead, implying that the spiritually dead can attend to the family or cultural expectations. But as for you, Jesus said, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus' words may seem heartless, but he saw through the man's request. Children do have responsibilities to parents. The scriptures command us to honour them and care for them. But we should not allow such care to distract us from our walk with Christ. Jesus is a demanding leader to follow, as we see even more in a third scene. A third man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me farewell those at my home. Once again, the request seems reasonable. I need to go and say goodbye to the folks before I come and follow you, the man is saying. However, Jesus knew how a lengthy Middle Eastern family farewell could be used to overturn the man's resolve to leave home and follow an unlettered rabbi such as Jesus. No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, Jesus responded. Many today might be impressed with Jesus and greatly attracted to him. They may even want to follow him, but are not always willing to do so. Just yet. Augustine, the 5th century Bishop of Hippo in North Africa, said, O Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. Jesus wants our total commitment. He calls us to be willing to leave the security of a home, of family and friends, and of status. We have to make a choice. Jesus sometimes creates tensions in families where adult family members have no regard for him. It may not be a parent, but rather a husband or a boyfriend or a wife or girlfriend who prevents us from hearing and obeying Jesus' call to follow him. Jesus calls on us to join him on his rescue mission of a lost humanity. Through the centuries, God's people have often been seduced by the attractions of privilege and prestige. Churches and denominations are often cluttered with celebrated office-bearers and wealth. We need leadership and order, yes, but celebrity and power can become more important than serving Jesus Christ. If we adopt the principles that lie behind Jesus' words, 
our relationships with one another as God's people and in the wider community will be turned upside down. Are we known for our willingness to reach out to newcomers at church, for our care for the sick and suffering, the lonely and the bereaved? And in our world, where everyone is encouraged to bring their full self to work, are we willing to bring our Christ-centered self? As Jesus says elsewhere, What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet lose their own soul? So let me pray. Heavenly Father, keep your people in the truth of your word so that those who lean only on the hope of your heavenly grace may always be defended by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may like to listen to For the Cause from Keith and Kristen Getty. You can find it on gettymusic.com Lord our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for bringing us safely to this day. Protect and preserve us by your mighty power and grant that today we fall into no sin nor run into any kind of danger. Lead and govern us in all things so that we may always do what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty Father, We commend to your goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, especially those who are known to us. May it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.